So what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode, or shall we say, Code Extra? It's, it's going to be episode 167. Uh, <laughs> 168. Is it 168? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's 168. Yep. So yeah, episode 168 of the Codex Prime podcast for Wednesday, June 12th, 2019. I am your host, Victor Omoyo. And with me, as always, is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's going on, everybody? And joining joining us uh, live all the way from New Jersey, uh, we have Edward Figueroa of the Party Nerds. What's up, guys? Your boy Ed is here chilling with Codex Prime, and boy, do we got a lot to get into. Me and Carl are going to have it out by the time this show ends. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'll step in and be referee uh, for that bout. Uh, uh-huh. You're going to be talking about E3 2019. Um, yep. So uh, this this episode will be uploaded on uh, on our YouTube channel as well, as well as uh, we'll probably throw it on Facebook as well, maybe. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, we'll definitely. Audio will also be on SoundCloud. Um, also, real real quick for our, uh, for our uh, SoundCloud listeners, um, for the past past three weeks, you know, few we had to kind of renew our subscription, um, but. Uh, the SoundCloud is back, so all the episode, all the previous episodes are back on. New episodes will be forthcoming, so be sure to check SoundCloud for all new episodes, the audio versions of which will be available every week, as well as uh, Facebook Live and YouTube for all of our latest episodes as well. Yeah. So let's get right into it. Yeah. Okay. Get, get right into it. So E3 2019 uh, just took place last few days. Uh, Microsoft uh, had the had the largest conference, I believe, with the Xbox One. Then we had uh, Ubisoft, um, let's see, Square Enix, Bethesda, mm-hmm. Devolver Digital strikes yeah. again, which I which <laughs> they I are a madhouse to begin with. Man, they are all over the place. I will give them that. Every year they deliver, and they're always building a storyline in their press conferences, which is a, which is kind of a crazy thing to think about. But they put out good games, so hey, they can do whatever they want. Oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, and also uh, Google Google Stadia. I have some, I have a few uh, interesting thoughts about that as well. They had a showcase. Well, they didn't have. They, they were pre. Show. They were pre E three. They can They did theirs like the Wednesday or Thursday before E three happened. So they were like, they wanted the stage to themselves. Mm. Yep. So yeah, what should we start? Should we start with the Microsoft? Yeah, that was the. I didn't even watch the PC. I didn't even watch the PC game. I had no like. I do not know not one PC. I only know one PC <laughs> game in my life. Like there was like the PC and Microsoft conferences. There was like a lot of overlap. So some of it, yeah, some of it was just because you know with PC gaming you normally think of using Windows, of course, and then ties in with Microsoft. So they kind of right. have their similarities here and there, and they always have like those off chance games that PC people are going to be really into. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, guy. I guess I didn't miss nothing. Yeah. So yeah, with uh, X, with the Xbox conference, um, one of the things that stood out to me uh, was um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would. Uh, which, uh, <laughs> which, which, which I thought you know is developed by Respawn, um, of course, published by EA. Right. Uh, it's um, well, from 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 the from, from the footage that we that we found. It looks to be like a single player, uh, more linear experience. Um, it, it does look entertaining. It does look uh, uh, pretty fun. It does take place uh, between episodes three and four, just before yep. one. So they brought back a Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker's character from that film. Yeah. Um, uh, 
I'm kind of I'm kind of leery about it because because EA does have the the rights to the Star Wars license and they've kind of followed things with the with the two Battlefront games and even though this is a single player experience EA being EA they might follow it up with some microtransactions or some pay to win nonsense although they say that the game allegedly doesn't does not feature in microtransactions but yeah, I don't. I don't see them resisting the call. They'll probably load it with some cosmetic, cosmetic stuff, or on a more egregious level, they'll probably pull a Shadow of War, and then they'll have like a pay-to-win feature where you have to, whether frustrate you into actually paying money to actually beat the game if there's mm-hmm. a level system, especially. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the fence uh, with this because of EA's track record, but the game does look good. Nice. And it might be fun. But, right. No. What are what are your thoughts on? Sure. So here's my thing about Jedi Fallen Order, and I think I might be in the minority with it. Kind of like another game we're going to be talking about into. While I think there are going to be a lot of exciting things specifically about Jedi Fallen Order, how it plays, and everything else related to it. Yes, the EA concern is there, but we also got to consider the fact that um, not even two months ago. EA and Respawn Entertainment put out that free-to-play game Apex Legends, and people are falling over themselves hand and foot playing this game. So I think that that builds up a little bit of goodwill just because you have Respawn behind the project where EA doesn't really have to monetize aggressively like they would a game like, for say, Anthem, which came out two months before that, and is completely bombed. So you have two things going against each other with EA. You have the bomb that was Anthem, and then you have Apex Legends, which has kind of been a rousing success. This is the first time that a single-player game is going to fall really under that scrutiny. So I don't think they—I think they're going to keep their promise. I think that it's going to be a strictly single-player game. There are going to be cosmetics, of course, because they have the deluxe edition that they have to put out there with extra cosmetics for your lightsaber and blah, 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 um, extra upgrades for your droid. But I don't think there's going to be pay-to-win. I don't—microtransactions, to an extent— um, are going to happen, but not the way we think. So I have faith in Jedi Fallen Order being a top-notch game, and I like the animations, I like the effects for it, so I think this could be a step in the right direction. Um, although, with it being a November release date, there's so many other things that are going to be conflicted with it that possibly with the goodwill that EA may be losing as well, it's going to be hard to do so, because there's two games specifically that are going to be the biggest competitors to it, which uh, we'll touch on later on. Yeah, yeah, and 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 also too, um, uh, with 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 Fallen Order, I, I do. Hopefully, this might this might be. I don't know if it's going to be a standalone or if it'll be the start of a new uh, single player franchise. They might they might uh they might follow us up with their with their own series. This might be their EA's own Knights of the Old Republic, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, uh, hope, hope, hopefully, this this first game, as you say, will 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 continue that goodwill that they fostered with Apex Legends. I'm, I'm and, actually hoping. Sorry to answer. I'm yeah. I'm actually hoping for it to just be standalone, because then it will kind of just me being just a casual Star Wars fan. I remember, like, didn't Forrest Whitaker die in Rogue One? He in died, Rogue- yeah, Rogue One, and this is around that same time period, give or take. Yeah, yeah so it kind of ju- it will just end up if they continue it, wouldn't it? It, it kind of to me, it would just throw me off. As a casual Star Wars fan, hmm. uh, no, they, they could they could probably continue the story somehow, like maybe after Rogue One, or maybe they'll maybe make us mix. There'll probably be like a playable level like during the events of Rogue One, Possibly. maybe. 
Yeah, they could do that. I mean, I know they tried to do expandable content with the Force Unleashed series. Force Unleashed and Force Unleashed 2 had stuff like that. So I'm hoping it's going to be somewhat similar to that. Um, as long as it's not the, a direct clone of that, which I know it's not because some of the gameplay is different than the Force Unleashed. So I can mm-hmm. kind of see what they're going to be doing with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I kind of get like there's some elements of um, like from software games uh, gameplay in, in it from those trailers that we saw, like uh, some elements of like Dark Souls or Bloodborne. Uh, especially with, a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, especially like with the meat with the meters, like the life and the stamina, and some of the combat elements, which kind of kind of piques my interest. Right. Yeah. There could be a lot of different things with it, but there's. I will say this much. It wasn't the, like, I had a top five games of E3, which I'm going to go into at the end. But I, it wasn't, it was close to being on there, but it wasn't. I had five other games that are definitely going to be right above it, but I would say it's number six. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Not bad. Not bad. I mean, I thought it looked nice. So, I mean, if it's if it's anything, it would probably be something I'll probably red box first. Yeah. Or, like, play at somebody's house first, see how I like it, see how I get the feel of it. And then, like, if it intrigues me enough to want to spend my 60, 70 bucks, then why not? Right. Definitely. I think I can see that this being one of those games where you want to try it out first just to see if the goodwill is there. Then if so, then it's going to get that traction. With it coming out holiday season, I can kind of see that being the case. Um, But I think the fact that you have a game like Death Stranding coming out the week before. It's going to be a little tougher on its sales numbers. A little Death Stranding, I have my own concerns about that, which I know wasn't revealed at E3 this year or more of it. They had it their own little thing. Yeah. And then Pokemon comes out the same day as Jedi Fallen Order, which I know that's a different demographic, but that could obscure like how many people really are going to get into it because you have those two major games. One that's going to that's Pokemon, and the other one which we don't know. Kojima's weird in so many different ways in terms of what he can do with, with Metal Gear, and we've seen it in the past. So Death Stranding, without really having proven gameplay, that could go one way or the other, that versus Fallen Order. Yeah, and and also with Death Stranding, like, there's, like... Uh, and I, I, I'm kind of... in. I'm kind of intrigued by the marketing behind it. Like, it, it's it's given, like, very small snippets of gameplay, um, and, and it's left us with more questions than answers. Um, I do... I, I am... I do like the fact that there are a couple of uh, filmmaker cameos in, in that game. Like, there's uh, Guillermo del Toro, he's plays the character, and then there's uh, Nicholas uh, Winding Refn, who directed a Drive, yeah. and a, the Neon Demon. So, um, part, part of me, looking at that game, it kind of makes me think that, like, Hideo Kojima wants to be a filmmaker so bad. but <laughs> He has no other outlet to do it but video games. Yeah. So, but... You know, hopefully, uh, Death Stranding will. Uh, I have I have a good sense that it'll live up to the hype and expectations. Yeah, they've been te- they've been like teasing us for as long as we've been doing the show. At least, yeah, yeah, I would say that's about right. So for about the last couple of years, ever since that the whole thing with the the Silent Hills demo fell through with yeah. PT, they that this is kind of what they've been building towards. So it's been that long, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So um, any other uh, games that kind of uh, caught your eye? Oh, yeah. So here's one. The main game of, I would say, that kind of broke the whole entire press conference was cyber was the re-reveal, if you will, of Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. So they should. While, yes, all the gameplay was behind closed doors and that's fine. I'm I'm still excited for it, and I know the gameplay is coming, but 
just the fact that there's so much more into the this world. Like a lot of the trailers this year for Cyberpunk were all world building. Um, and I think there's so much nuance in this world, kind of similar to what they've been doing with The Witcher as well. So The Witcher had their the, this whole expansive world. Their DLC was mega expansive. Cyberpunk, just the fact that you're doing this kind of like fut- neo-futuristic world um, where like body modification is like the biggest thing that you can count on. Um, and that's like their main currency. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see this game. And of course, the internet destroyed itself when uh, Keanu Reeves came on stage because he's one of the major characters in the game along with your protagonist. So that was mind-blowing that they were able to work with a big-time actor like Keanu for a different kind of role in this game. So I think that this game has so much... Like, out of all the games at E3, in terms of, like, big AAA games not made by Nintendo because we know Nintendo's their own market, which we'll touch on, this is going to be probably one of the biggest ambitious games of the entire press conference without seeing gameplay. I think that by the time April rolls around, which is when this game is supposed to release, this could be like one of the biggest open world games that anybody can take advantage of. And so far, the gameplay that they showed off, like apparently I was reading uh, one specific story. Uh, Most of the game takes place in like this metro city, this one section of the map. Last year they had like 45 minutes of gameplay in that section and it was huge. It was almost like San Andreas huge. And that's only the... 3% 3% of the world. If that's what they're going for, this could blow all the open world games out the water. This oh, yeah. could do it. It could. And CD Projekt Red, like, they, they've proven themselves with the Witcher series, especially Witcher 3. Yeah. And and just for, just from an aesthetic standpoint, like just I really like the enjoy the look of of Cyberpunk. Like it, it kind of it, it kind of like it has it echoes Blade Runner, but like other unlike other like cyberpunk uh, fiction like like Blade Runner and Deus Ex, like this one has like bright. It takes place in the daytime. Which yeah, is, which is yeah. kind of like a styles clash between like what you normally. There's so much. It's so much. It's very neon like. Like we've seen like neo futuristic movies take advantage of that. Um, like in terms of like that futuristic like lights everywhere, glitz and glitz. It's like Vegas, but everywhere is the best way I can describe it. But just the fact that you have all these visuals just everywhere and it's so like commercialized from what, like some, especially with, when you look at some of the billboards in more detail, it's so there's so much love that's going into world building specifically that that's going to help you guide your gameplay experience, especially with it being open. You can do anything it makes it even better. Yeah, but with the look, I was, I was actually watching uh, Microsoft with my girl and she was like, you know what? That looks like that game you have, and then she's meaning Detroit Become Human. Hmm. Like well, I, just the way the characters looked, and in just the way the graphics looked, I, I kind of got that feel. I understood where she was coming from with that. And Detroit Become Human actually is a very good game. Yeah, it was one of the better games of last year for sure. That not a lot of people really talk about because, of course, God of War was a big game that dominated like Sony exclusives. But yeah, Detroit Become Human was a good experience as well. Very good. It has re- yeah, re- lots of replay value too. Mm-hmm. So I honestly think that Cyberpunk would do this, and not to mention it's blowing the open world order. I mean, the open world, you know, genre out. So it makes me think, like, okay, is this one of them games that's probably like make us forget about like Spider Man and stuff? Would this like blow Spider Man out? That was probably one of the best open world games since, well, to me, since 
GTA Five. Yeah, GTA Five is such a monopoly right now on the like that open world city building kind of game, like with your own personal character. And GTA Online is such a huge market. It's like one of the biggest selling like experiences um, in terms of current console generations is GTA Online. So I don't know if Cyberpunk is going that route. Whether they actually are going to do uh, multiplayer. Yeah. If they do, oh god, it could make so much. Yeah, um, and, and and also too, like cy- Cyberpunk, it, it's it's a that's definitely going to be not only one of the biggest releases of next year, but I can see that being game of the year. Um, it's going to be a very difficult game to unseat, uh, just from just not, not only just judging from the pedigree of CD Projekt Red, but also just from what we've seen already uh, from the game. Yeah. Which is which is absolutely tremendous, and and to me it's like it's 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 what it's what the Deus Ex uh, series should be, um, but even though I do even though I am a fan of the Deus Ex uh, series, um, I think Cyberpunk is kind of like the the next logical evolution of of what Eidos Interactive has created with that with that series. Absolutely agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. What up? So what do you want to move on to? Oh my god, one of the biggest jokes of the Microsoft. They're really making a bit a Blair Witch game. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, man. Okay, hold on. A couple more couple things. So I think that if done right, because when I first saw that trailer, I thought it was Outlast. And I was like, oh, they're making another Outlast game. But then when like you actually kind of see everything and I saw like the camera and I saw the guy in the corner, I was just like, wait, that's that's what happened in the movie. And then when you zoomed out and you saw the actual um, the style like of the stick figure, and I was like, oh, man, they're making a Blair Witch game. I It could work because everybody loved – it was like the first movie, of course, the original Blair Witch Project was like this cult classic, like found footage horror movie. And, of course, they had Blair Witch, which was kind of whatever. But if they can definitely do a lot more with this setting – like in terms of like actually ramping up as like the a horror type game akin to like an Outlast, yeah. then I can see them doing good work with it. But again, it might be it's an unproven studio. We don't know a lot about it. Right. But I'm willing to give it a chance, I think. So I'm just willing to work with Blair Witch. Like not play it, but I'm willing to work with it. Um dreams first. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the so if we're going off of some of the like lower tier announcements before we get to like the end with the um the, the future of Xbox, right. there was one game that I saw um during the Xbox press conference that I thought was cool. And it's a small little indie game. I believe they're calling it The Legend of Right. It's it's kind of like a old like a puzzle style, like indie platformer slash um RPG. It's there's a lot of different ways you can kind of describe it. But I think the thing that stood out to me was the art style. It was the it kind of reminded me of a tearaway where it was all about like notebook illustrations, cardboard cutouts. It's one of those like kid friendly kind of like indie RPGs that I think could really catch people off guard. Yeah. And the art style was the first thing. As soon as I saw the art style, because this trailer came out right after the Battletoads trailer. And I'm not sold on Battletoads. I don't like I'm okay with the art style, but this was better to me. Like this announcement was better for me in terms of like what I wanted to see more than the um, the Battletoads game. Yeah, to me, I wrote like young. I wrote younger Fortnite kids rejoice. (laughs) I I just that was my impression that I got of it. Just like it's just like something for like the younger kids who just got into Fortnite 
now that mm-hmm. they're old enough to play it. And then, you know, I guess I guess you can kind of say the Fortnite phase is dying a bit. So, like, it's something for, like, when those kids get, you know, they have have a little something for when they get it. You know, now that they're mm-hmm. older, they have their own game that they can master and yeah. beat the older Fortnite kids with. So it's like, I don't know, that was my impression of it. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot more to it. Like I said, Tearaway is probably the biggest influence I can think of because Tearaway is one of those like paper cutout kind of games, but there was more like a like a adventure style game. I can yeah. see that with this. Um, but again, it's not till 2020, so there's plenty of time to see what it actually looks like. Right. Um, so I'm willing to wait it out for sure for that game. Um, but I think the biggest thing about Xbox more than anything else is that a lot of their conference was really mostly third-party games, to me at least. Yeah. Um, a lot of the games that I didn't really see a lot that was specifically Xbox exclusive. I mean, some here and there, like you saw, they did a little bit more with Gears. They mentioned Halo, of course. Um, there were a couple other games that they showed off um, there. I don't remember if Outer Worlds was one of those. That uh, was a, exactly. Actually, no, Outer Worlds is multi-platform. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but I think we're a lot of this focus was going towards um the next console so they ended the conference specifically talking about the new xbox console the power behind it and we mentioned this on the partners podcast i'm going to be 100 curious to see if microsoft is going to hold true on those promises like 8k gaming 120 frames per second um a huge ssd drive four times as powerful as the one x whoa there is a lot of stuff that they were talking about specifically with the whatever they're calling whatever they decide to call project scarlet in the future yeah but if we're they're they're talking about cramming a pc like a like a pc gamer's dream in a in console form and they actually hold true to that promise then man where where have consoles been sitting at all this time if pcs were able to do this all the time yes i know a standard pc is going to run you about 900 1200 dollars in terms of what you wanted to do to run like super games. But if we're at a point where consoles are now going to be able to do it and we're able to pay a little bit cheaper, then what's then, you know, where does that put PC gaming at going forward? That's what I'm going to be curious about if these specs are true. Like how what is PC gaming compared to what this Xbox is going to be? And then what is the PlayStation 5 going to look like? Because I think they're putting out similar specs. I don't know. Yeah, and and also too, like with the with the new consoles, um, like competing with PC, it, it it makes it makes me wonder if if it's gonna if we're gonna see another like more iterations of like upgraded versions of these consoles, like with the PS4, then the PS4 Pro, um, and then with the Xbox uh, One, then it was the Xbox One. Uh, one S. One S. Yeah, the One S. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's gonna be like the standard. Uh, business model moving forward like if it's going to be basically similar to a pc where it's like you have like your base model coming out and then like in two years time you, if you want to hold out you can wait for the upgraded version mm-hmm. which has bigger specs um i don't know if that's going to be the standard or if that's going to drive a few more gamers to look at the P- look at pcs more um because i don't know how because either, either way like if if you if you consider how much money you'll be spending for like one console and then another version of the console mm-hmm. you can take that same bunch of money and just buy a pc outright mm-hmm. so i don't know how that's going to affect the market uh in the next few years i think it's i think um if pcs and consoles are now at a point where we're almost equal in some way then it, right now then we're looking at a future where games and services are going to probably be the most important part and i know that 
a lot of them, like Ubisoft touched on this in their conference slightly. Um, same thing with uh, Google as well. Yeah. It's going to be all about what can you offer that's going to be have customers spend uh, what they call recurrent spending, if you will. They always charge every month. They're like, oh, I'll pay for that monthly. It's fine. And I get whatever I want. I think that's going to be what we're going to look at with uh, the future, whether it be PC, Windows, um, Microsoft, PlayStation. I know there are Nintendo's doing their own thing. We always say that every year. With, but it's true, though. With the two major publishers or the two major console developers, um, Microsoft and Sony, they need to hook us in a way that PC wouldn't. If they're going to match the technology, they're going to have to match the game's experience and maybe even the game costs. Because we all know PC is the place where you can get a game for relatively cheap whenever you want. So right. you don't, you're not suckered into a $60 price tag anymore. Right. PCs, you can kind of go on Steam and say, oh, that game that came out like six months ago, I can buy for 20 bucks now, done. And PCs will have huge Steam backlogs now. Mm-hmm. Are consoles going to do that? Can they afford to do that? I don't know. I don't think they will, though, because I think that market is so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and also with um with with Google with Google's console, Google Stadia. Now that that's an exclusive cloud-based mm-hmm. uh, gaming service. I don't know if um if there's also going to be a push for the industry to move towards a, a cloud-based model, like sim- something similar to say like a Netflix or or Hulu uh, for games. Um, uh, I don't know, or, or or Steam rather. I think I think I think uh, thinking about that. This push to to move away from physical media. I think there's always going to be a, a market for physical media because like, yeah. there's a tangible sense of ownership. Because otherwise, you just own a bunch of metadata at best, and that's right. not the same. It's not the same thing. And and not to mention that uh, streaming platforms can pull uh, licenses, or they may lose the their licensing rights to certain games. So that game that you spent like thirty to sixty bucks on, all of a sudden that's that's nowhere to be found anymore. So it's right. Like, so I, I've always been on the point, and I've kind of mentioned this with uh, our Gamer Central crew. I don't, streaming services are interesting. While, yes, a lot of the push is now towards digital platforms, I primarily buy PlayStation 4 games digital. That's my preference of choice. I will buy my other consoles, like my Xbox One or my Nintendo Switch. I'll buy those physical media, which is fine by me. But PlayStation, I have this ownership to buy digitally because I feel like, you know, there's certain games that I want and I want them day one, hour one, minute one, what second one. I want them there. That's my preference for that console. But in terms of streaming, I think what's lost is the fact that the actual connection speeds, we don't we take for granted connection speeds. I think if you're trying to attract casual gamers to a point where like, hey, listen, you can buy this small little controller. You can buy this small Google Chromecast. Or if you have a Chrome-enabled television, boom, you have access to our service. You can play whatever you want, buy whatever you want. You can subscribe to the service. Think of the households that have internet connections. Like, of course, us as um, content creators, we have to have uh, big internet connections because we won't have to support a lot of that data, uh, whether it be like 200 megabytes per second up, down, you know, or... Uh, one of my co-hosts, Seth, he has gigabit Ethernet, which is like top tier. Most households don't have that. Most households are going to be mostly standard, like smaller, like maybe 50 to 75, which they claim to support if you want like the base model 1080p. Mm-hmm. 
But if you're if you're specifically like big into having a visual experience, which we promote a lot right now, 4K is kind of like that wave. So you would want to be able to pay for a service that can get you that high resolution. But you also come with the cost of possibly slowing down your gameplay experience if you don't have the Internet to support it, which I'd probably say about 50 percent of households don't have that. So you with this service, you could be cutting out half of your market already and not realize it unless you want to put more money into the IS internet service providers pockets. But I don't know if consumers know that or are completely oblivious to it. And they might be. Yeah. And that's an excellent point. Especially like if you think of like more rural uh, states like like the Midwest, like basically yep. over country. Yeah. yeah, if you're not in a metropolitan, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Alaska, right? I think they Alaska still has blockbuster video. Yeah. Cuz a lot yeah, a lot of households they, they can't really yeah. like internet. Yeah. Like we can in, you know, our in city areas. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, the infrastructure is still not widely available. Yeah. Yeah, but, the Tri-State area is big for that. California, of course, Silicon Valley, they're big for that. But again, that's two coasts. You still got to come in the middle. Yep. Absolutely. So what are your thoughts are now everybody's pretty much mad. A lot of people are mad at George R.R. R. Martin, but what was your thoughts on Elden Ring? I mean, I had no problems with Elden Ring with what it looks like. Like I know that it was a game that was kind of teased beforehand or leaked beforehand that he was going to do a game that was uh, with the creator of Dark Souls. I don't mind it. Again, it wasn't a game that spoke high to me. But yeah. I don't mind it at all. Like as long as it's a fun experience and he actually does something well with the project, like I get the idea that, you know, Martin doing a video game instead of doing more work with finishing the uh the Game of Thrones book series is is its own thing, fine. Um but as someone who doesn't have a, t- a full attachment to Game of Thrones itself, I'm okay with it, you know, on the outside, you know, from the outside looking in. But of course, those I know who are hardcore to the series, and especially with how it ended, they may have their own feelings. I get that. Yeah, and and I feel sim- similarly as well. Um, I although I do find it amusing that um, George R. R. Martin does have the time to work on on a video game while not apparently not finishing the last two books of his series. Um, I am curious to see like like his his creative mind for you know for for dark fantasy with. Um, Hidetaka Miyazaki's mind for dark fantasy as well. Yeah, with a dark with a Dark Souls series and especially Bloodborne, which is my favorite video game of 2015. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what they could what they could bring together um, creatively. Um, it, it it would definitely be. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see it being a, a disappoint, disappointment um, in, in any stretch because all the from some from software games have been, have been pretty good. Yeah, at least good. Yeah. Uh, so you guessing sleeper hit? Po- possibly. Like it'll, it'll definitely, um, it'll definitely get more eyeballs um, uh, than than from software than from software games usually get because yeah. of George R. R. Martin's involvement. Um, and 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 also. Uh, but also, uh, uh, the from software games are very niche, so they're very geared toward towards like hard, more hardcore gamers. Yeah. So, so those same those same uh, uh, people who maybe more casual uh, gamers or more casual audiences who might say might pick up a copy of Elden Ring, they might get turned off by the difficulty 
of uh, and the high learning curve of the, of the so they so some of them might tune out, some of them might actually embrace it. So it's going to be interesting to see, yeah. like how, if how, like how from software's uh, audience increases uh, and to what degree. Right, it could. I mean, you're bringing in again, as you mentioned, like dark fantasy. You have Martin coming in, so that's going to attract those eyeballs who are more into the books or the TV show. So just the crossover appeal itself could get you some more eyeballs to it, but how many will see? Like, are you going to be able to attract non-gamers to a game series that isn't kind to non-gamers or casual? Like, mm -hmm. that's going to be the most interesting part. Oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, and um, Halo Infinite. I know all we saw was cinematics. Yep. And, and, I, and I heard, because I was never really an Xbox player, but, like, the... Last, from what I'm hearing, like the last Halo series was pretty much a bomb. Halo 5 was not that great. Like, it didn't tell a cohesive story. Um, it had characters you didn't care about. It made Chief look really bad. It, like, everything about that plot. Supposedly, this is a soft reboot. Like, it takes place after 3, yes. Right. But it's going to be a different direction than what they have originally done with 4 and 5. So it's going to be a different story. So that's going to probably be the interesting part in terms of what they do with Infinite. So it's going to be a different story. They didn't really go into gameplay details or anything else related to that. So I don't know what that's going to be like yet. Um, it is the launch, the, the launch game for whatever Project Scarlet's going to be called next holiday. Oh. So this is going to be their big spotlight title. I imagine next, this is a next year game. This was a game this year. Halo, that cinematic trailer was just to say, hey, guys, so you remember we announced Halo Infinite? Yeah, we just want to let you know that here's our progress. Here's, like, the first cinematic created in Project Scarlet. But next year is the true test. All right. I mean, that's something I always said, like, something we always, that we usually say on the show. That's, like, I would call that a fifth agreement title, which the fifth agreement is be skeptical but listen. So it's, like, mm -hmm. be skeptical but, yeah, still. Yeah. Still give it some some type of shot. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, let's move on over to Bethesda. I had no idea they had so many Elder Scrolls titles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Without yeah. even having Elder Scrolls Six there, they had so much stuff to reveal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not knocking it. Like one of my clients, I work with people with disabilities. I have a client who's a huge Elder Scrolls fan. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, listen, whatever makes you happy, by all means, go ahead. But yeah. uh, one thing I had to say, both um, Fallout 76's Wastelanders and Nuclear Winter was basically them saying, uh, yeah, we fucked up. Yeah, this, this was, so that whole section of Fallout 76, when Ty Howard came on stage and was just like, yeah, this game was fucked. We, really, we sent you about a broken title. Here's yeah. us attempting to fix it. Cool, you're fixing a game. I'm glad for you. Thank you. You given you're giving us an actual game that we can play multiplayer, but it still has elements of the single player experience. And yeah, you're throwing in a battle royale mode that is at least interesting in the Fallout verse. So much like previous battle royale games that have released, like with Call of Duty introducing one, Battlefield, for example, and a couple other games. Okay, fine. You're giving us something interesting, but you're giving us that experience. Where was this at launch? Like, how are we allowing ourselves to accept not finished games? We went through this with No Man's Sky a couple of years ago. 
And yes, they're finally at a point where they released a game that actually is good and held back on its pro- or brought the promises that they originally talked about now. But to me, those games are too little too late. Like, yeah. why are you doing like, are you hoping that the goodwill of Fallout 76 will bring you more down the road? No, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Like, if this was the game you wanted to release that you should have released, delay it. Don't release it because and Bethesda is known for bringing out broken stuff. We already we know that Bethesda games have that touch of glitch in their games. We've seen it with Skyrim. We've seen it with Fallout with like buggy graphics and unfinished textures and all this other stuff. We know that. And I think Fallout 76 was that breaking point. It's that point where you're just kind of like this is the point where gamers should just be like, nah, no, I can't pass this door. I don't want to be a part of this experience. Give me an actual game. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Now you're at a point where you actually are releasing the game. So yeah, you'll probably get some sales of the game, but I think people are still going to buy. It's going to be one of those games where you're like, oh, thank you for releasing this game. I'll wait till it's like 10 bucks and then I'll play everything. Exactly. That's basically what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and also, um, uh, Todd, Todd Howard, to paraphrase him, he said that um, about Fallout 76's botched launch, he said that uh, it's, not about, it's not about what the game is at launch, it's about what the game becomes. And I thought... I thought no, 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 no. that's what he, No, it's not. Launch is what's going to keep us playing. Yeah. Is what's going to make us play as the game evolves. Right. Exactly. And, and, yeah, and and the fact that he announced that the uh, that the Wastelanders up update is going to include NPCs and full dialogue tree yeah. and the main quest, it's like so you're basically announcing the very basic components that should have been in the game from the beginning mm-hmm. and you're supposed to embrace that. Yep. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, it was a complete mess up. It was literally like, look, saying a quote like that, like just go back to your paraphrasing. It's not about. It's not about the release it's about the future it's not about the present this the you're in the wrong industry if that's going to be your purpose like game again to bring up anthem anthem has proven to us that that phrase is complete bs yes like that game is so underwhelming that 75 percent of their fan base is gone like they are gave up on that game division's a little bit of a different story they went through this with Division 1. Apparently, Division 2 is a lot better. Fine. Okay. They actually kind of made a better experience for it with a lot more content up front. But Todd Howard saying that quote, that's going to bite him going forward. I feel it in my soul. Regardless of how many Bethesda hardcores there are, and yes, all the chanting during that conference annoyed me to death. Because <laughs> you can tell they were paid off. But that, again, you can tell. But I think that if he's going to say something like that, he better not let whatever he's in control of, especially if it's Elder Scrolls 6, yeah. don't do that with Elder Scrolls 6 because you will receive the biggest backlash you've ever seen in your entire life. You mess up the Elder Scrolls, it's going to be way worse than if you mess up Fallout. Way, way worse. Exactly. But there's two games that did came out, and I said, Vic will play the shit out of these games. Oh, yeah. Pants optional. <laughs> Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein, Cyberpilot, and Youngblood. Uh, well, Wolfenstein, Youngblood—that's the full title. Yeah, 
uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood, which which I'm happy to see that's coming out next month, July 26th, because yeah. I, I loved uh, the New Order and the New Colossus. Um, hey, you did. Just, oh, <laughs> just, just great Nazi yeah. action, you know, as as God intended. But uh, <laughs> And this is more of it. And apparently I think it's a budget title, too. Like, it's not even a full-price game, which is actually kind of awesome. Nice. Damn. Even even better. Like, Machine Games are the developers. Like, they've done such a good job with the Wolfenstein series. Um, the only one I haven't played was uh, uh, The Old Blood, which I heard was very good, too. Yeah, it's like a prequel, I believe. Yep. And uh, also Doom Eternal, which is coming out this Ooh. See, I, I played a little bit of Doom 2016, and that was just fast-paced, awesome action. Yeah. This looks, like, way better. Like, way better, which I love. Like, I love the fact that it looks so much better than Doom 2016. Doom 2016 was great. Like, it was... That was the definition of an, a title that nobody really talked about from 2016 at all. Like, I, I forget what the, what the bigger <laughs> games of 2016 was, but Doom was not one of them. Like, that wasn't even... I don't, don't remember if it was Game of the Year contender that year. Oh. But this one's going to look way better. Oh, which yeah. Which is awesome. Vic will play the shit out of it pants off. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Do- Doom 2016 was my game of the year at that time. And, like... and. The first Doom was like so intense, like it's like how it incentivized aggression. Like, mm-hmm. like for me, like when I mentioned in my review of that game, like it kind of forced me to break old uh, first-person shooter habits of like you know shoot and cover, like kind of like carefully make your way through a level. Yeah. And first played the game in that manner, I kept dying over and over. But then when I just like went balls to the wall, just like high octane, yeah. that's when I got into the real groove of the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then the fact that Doom Eternal looks even more intense than Doom than Doom 2016, which I didn't know that was actually possible. <laughs> wow, that's that's off the wall. I like that's gonna be part of my uh, part of my collection in November. Like, yeah, down. and that comes out November 22nd, I believe. So again, another like another game that could completely mess up the flow of Jedi Fallen Order too, and yeah. and also to an extent, it could also mess up Death Stranding. Because that's three consecutive weeks where you're like, do I play Death Stranding? Do I play Doom? Do I play Jedi Fallen Order? Do I play Pokemon? Mm. I feel I know two of the games that are going to be played. I don't know about the other two. Yeah. Just do what AJ did and just take time off of work. <laughs> nah, listen, I'm not. I am not that kind of guy. I, no, that's way hardcore. Uh, and then he admitted on the show that Kingdom Hearts Three was kind of half baked. So really? take that for what you will. Yeah, he admit he admitted that there was like. The it was a satisfying plot ending, but not a satisfying gameplay. Oh, which will, you know, when we get to Square Enix, that you he'll explain that's explainable based off of what we saw at Square Enix. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. Cause I'll say my I'll say my thoughts when we get to Square Enix, which mm-hmm. was to me the PlayStation It was. Of this year. Yeah. It was. <laughs> no disagreements on that. Last yeah. thing to touch on with Bethesda before we go on to the next one. Um the two new IPs they announced at Bethesda's press conference, I think keep an eye on those games because I think that when you actually see them come to fruition, they're probably going to be some of the better game, best games that are going to come out uh, in possibly 2020 if they decide to. And, of course, there's Ghostwire Tokyo, which that cinematic was insane. Good. Backed, up, backed up by two of the big, greatest minds for... Um, uh, Tango Gameworks, I believe, is the studio's name. So you got Shinji Mikami. Think about it. You have the guy behind Resident Evil, the guy behind um, Devil May Cry working on this game. 
And then uh, Ikumi Nakamura, she was the um, design art design um, lead for this game, and she's the main producer for this game. She worked on the art for Okami. She did the artwork for Bayonetta. Um, she also did some work on The Evil Within. So this is going to be her big pro first project as a lead. And based on the fan support she's gotten so far, I think that's going to like, it's going to be insane because this is uh, Mikami's protege, the possible heir to Tango Gameworks. So if this game blows up, especially if it's really based in horror, that could, that could be awesome for Bethesda and for the studio. Please don't tell me it's another November release. No, no, no. No date. No date. Thank you. Okay. Um, and then the other one that doesn't have a date, probably for next year, is called Deathloop. Yes. Now, this was the game. Arcade, Arcane Studios is working on this, and they were the ones behind Dishonored. And Dishonored is great. Like, yeah. the first one was kind of a little rough around the edges, but it was still good. And then Dishonored 2 and Death of the Outsider really fixed that. But I think the concept of this assassin versus assassin kind of game where if you progress a certain point and then you die, you start back at the beginning so that you're always getting, like, rebirth. I think that this game could be a lot of fun. Not as huge as Ghostwire, but definitely at least something you can say, oh, yeah, Dishonored, people working on that game? Yeah, I'll go I'll go try that. I, it has a different... It has a new concept. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, right, we can move on over to uh, Ubisoft. I always liked their presentations. Mm. I always enjoyed watching their conferences. Never end up buying their games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is true, actually. You know what? I can't even front on that. Like, every time they put out some stuff, there's nothing that I care about at all. Yeah. This, year, this year is the only year where I think that will change for me. Because it, I literally, I watched the whole press conference. Uh, myself, AJ, and our boy Seth. We were chilling on the couch watching that press conference. I think AJ fell asleep during it, to tell you the truth. Like, after they talked about Rainbow Six and Ghost Recon, I think he fell asleep for, like, five minutes. But the only game that I care about and I'm actually considering buying, even though Seth told, even though Marcus, one of our uh, co-hosts, said, yo, you're an idiot. Don't buy that damn game. I'm going to buy it anyway. Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs Legion, I am sold on that. Because I, I like the Watch Dogs series. One was rough. Two was a little better. But I think the fact that they're using this permadeath system and you can recruit any NPC in the game for this, for, you know, for your squad to take down to government overthrow. You know, you're the resistance that's trying to, you know, shut down cybersecurity and everything else. I think that could be fun because then you're not playing the same monotone character over and over again. You're, you're using different characters and you have this AI who's kind of like Jarvis, let's be real. Yeah. You have this AI that you can that you're interacting with, who's like the main head of this whole thing. For DeadSec, that's going to be the most interesting part because I think that this gameplay style has legs, and I think with a game like Watch Dogs, that's all about like surveillance and you know keeping an eye on the population. Now it's used to an effect that actually could be really good, and I'm sold on this concept. That's okay. Interesting point. You may you may have sold me <laughs> so far. When you, yeah. do, when you do a Twitch stream, that's when I'll be. That'll be my deciding factor. I will let you know when that happens. I know it doesn't come out till March, which is fine. I'm cool right. waiting until March, so it, it's not a November release like the other two. So thank God we can avoid that. So that's good. <laughs> Nerd is so expensive. <laughs> I know November is going to be disgusting for me. I'm I'm prepping for it. I know it's coming. 
But yeah, I think out of all the only game I cared about was Watch Dogs. Literally, that's it. And I think it's going to be I think it's going to be good regardless of what my co-hosts say. Um, so that'll be something I'll look forward to and probably pick it up uh, once it drops. Yeah, not even Ghost Recon, Ghost Recon Breakpoint with um, John Bernthal. Honestly, I still haven't. I, again, that's a game that has no gameplay, and it comes out. It, it comes out October fourth. No gameplay. Not. I haven't seen a shred of anything about this whole game. And of course, they're like, "Hey guys, so to touch on Bethesda, this is also one of those games. Hey guys, so we're a game that's all about working with teammates, but you know, for the solo campaign, we're gonna." Post-launch, introduce your team AI teammates. You can still you can squad up without um, needing friends to play or anything else like that. And we're like, so you're giving a single-player content. You're only going to focus on multiplayer. Hmm. They were going to try and pull that same thing, but they're now they're doing it. You know, they're announcing it ahead of time instead of waiting till later and saying and ruining the whole experience. Right. And also, fine. They're the second game to introduce Terminator DLC because I know another game I forget which other game uh, was announced that also had Terminator DLC but this also has it too which I think is hilarious mm-hmm. yeah and plus like seeing John Bernthal maybe think oh, well, why don't they just make a Punisher video game <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mar- see Marvel Marvel games has too much Avengers preference and we know you know with Square Enix when we get into that um, but I think just the the preference of only talking about the Avengers kind of ruins the chance of them introducing other games in the Marvel license. That's what I think is going on. Yeah, uh, indeed. I mean, will we ever see a Luke Cage game? I mean, I would I would pay good money for that. I'm I'm cool with a Luke Cage. Luke Cage as a brawler. Um, the tell me if you laugh at this. So for some reason, as soon as you mentioned the Punisher game, I was like, man, a Punisher game where you just go walk around and just go straight up crazy on like enemies and everything else like that. There was a game that I played that was mega underrated for the Xbox 360 that people are like, oh, that's a cult classic. 50 Cent Blood on the Sand. <laughs> oh, my man. Don't laugh. That I game that was game. actually awesome. It was Gears of War just with a 50 Cent skin, and it was great. It was so much fun, and I can see them doing that in a with P- the Punisher, mm. if they decide to do it. Marvel, there's your pitch. Here you go. Wow, wow, and it would sell too. It would it sell. Literally do that. Remember, Mortal Kombat. The Mortal Kombat movie was just Enter the Dragon with Mortal Kombat characters. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it like that, yeah. It's, just, it's, they can just basically do that same formula. You know what? Go ahead, just tweet, just just tweet him. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to tweet Marvel Studios. And who knows? Maybe Fifty Cent will get in on this. I would love to see that. <laughs> I'm totally down. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, and then what was I gonna get into? Um, there wasn't really much though with uh with um Ubisoft because I mean they had and they have like a good like catalog of titles, like a good pop catalog of popular titles you know yeah. Assassin's Creed that's a, is that just an actual just symphony tour or they're actually building a game behind them? no it's just a symphony tour that's oh. it was just a, it, hey we're doing a concert kind of like the Final Fantasy concerts or like the Game of Thrones concert it's basically that so no Final Fantasy game or no no Assassin's Creed game no Rayman game which I loved Rayman Legends so that wasn't even there um yeah, I feel like there's still franchises that are Splinter Cell, of course, but they revealed that as part of that mobile game, um, Ghost Recon, or 
Tom Clancy's Elite Squad, where it's like characters from other Tom Clancy games in this. No Rainbow, uh, no, they have Rainbow Six DLC. Yeah, I feel like like Splinter Cell and Assassin's Creed didn't have a showing this year, which I found interesting. Like, even if it was just like, no, Skull and Bones was missing too. That was their big pirate theme. I remember they did it. Was that they did it last year? Last year they did it. This year they didn't. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember the so that. Yeah, they skipped that one this year too. So, yeah, I wonder what's going on with that. Yeah, because that actually looked genuinely interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many pirate themed games do we get? Yeah, like yeah, Sea of Thieves and and Black Flag a couple of years ago. Yeah. Black Flag and the was it the Secret of Monkey Island? The point and click. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Okay, so may, yeah, I guess maybe we can move on to Devolver Digital. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't sold on any of their games. Really? Yeah, like like Devolver. I mean, I, I was I was curious about one of them in particular, a Carry On, uh, which is like I saw Carry On for sure. Carry On's uh, interesting um, game that they announced, um, which is kind of like you're playing as the monster, so that's pretty cool. Um, the, I'm trying to think, what was the game that I was sold on the most? There was one specific one that I'm thinking of. Um, the Gungeon? That, the Gungeon arcade game, I'm totally dead. If they, re- if they released that at the arcade near me, I would go play it. 100%. But yeah. there was a, there was a Roya- uh, kind of like a Royale game called Fall Guys. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be dumb, stupid fun. It's literally, imagine like, there was a game that, uh, like a arena-based game, like an elimination arena-based game called uh, Gang Beasts. Okay, Gang Beasts is a lot of fun. I think that this could be the Battle Royale version of Gang Beasts. And and already, like, saying those two words together, I am definitely sold on it. Like, I will play it, for sure. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And then, of course, they got uh, My Friend Pedro, which is coming out in two weeks. That's pretty cool. Um... There was another big one that I'm trying to think of from Devolver. The Messenger? Messenger is going to be good. Uh, free free DLC? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, and then they mentioned that they're, they're, having, like, they're having another streaming service, but they're, they're bootleg games. Oh, they're oh my God, that was so funny. Like, literally, they bootleg their own games. Yep. I would just buy it. Like, it's literally, it's eight bootleg versions of their games, and it's only, like, Five dollars on Steam. Okay. Yeah, it's a, just for dumb fun. I'll probably do it. Yeah, they say it's a, it's four ninety four, which is one percent off the original price. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're probably yeah okay. It, all right, they were just trying to be funny. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. That's the, but listen, Devolver, please release Hotline Miami three already. I know there's another one coming. Just do it. I, I will play Hotline. I will throw all money at, at a new Hotline Miami. Because I love those two games. Well, well, well with the Devolver, Devolver bootleg, you have Hotline Milwaukee. <laughs> Next best thing. <laughs> he, had to, he gave you the Undertaker. <laughs> I gave him the Undertaker look like he was looking at Goldberg. I gave him that. Uh, isn't yeah. that the best meme out right now? <laughs> the best meme ever. Like He looked like he wanted to like do that same tombstone again if he could. Believe me. <laughs> Yeah, he was thinking, why didn't I take that StarCast money? Oh, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, he should have just said, screw it. $25,000 an hour. 
Could have did that at New York Comic Con. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, right. I mean, but um, all right, the PlayStation of the of E3. <laughs> yeah. Square Enix. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna get this stuff. I'm gonna get this out the way. Go ahead. Final Fantasy VII remake. I'm fine with it. Just I'm- really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, it, I, I don't know. Like, I've, I, I definitely, I definitely see the the hype behind it. I like the fact that the original creative team is behind this remake. Um, I do. I do I do like the the battle system, which is kind of like a hybrid of real time combat and their active time battle system from Part Seven. Uh, but the reason why I'm just not really sold on it is because one is that it, it's an episodic format, and so like the the game that's actually coming out uh, in March 2020 is going to be um, the, just the Midgard portion of the game, which is two discs long, which yep. reportedly. The the game is that, that portion is so massive that it requires two discs. Which yep. I'm thinking, I'm thinking in my head. Well, technically, it's probably going to be like Red Dead Redemption Two, where you have the first disc, which is like an install disc, and then like the rest of the game. Is right. So, and, and plus, like with with the episodic format, I'm just wondering how many games um, is Square Enix planning to stretch out Part Seven if if they, and if they're gonna like. To a cynical, to a, to, to a somewhat cynical degree, if they're gonna keep milking that nostalgia for what it's worth, and say that, oh well we'll, well, well, we'll partition this portion of Final Fantasy VII as its own episode, and then we'll partition part the third, the final portion of the game as like its own episode. Like I don't know, like I can't really, I can't really bring myself to be too excited. Um, although from what what I see is fairly impressive. At the same time, just. Just seeing the structure behind it is like, well, I'm, I'm worried about it being the worst possible version of a Telltale game. That's going to be my major concern because Telltale game perfected the episodic formula. Right. And we have a game like Final Fantasy VII that's loved by so many. It's like regarded as like every game, every website, any media you go to that does a top 10 games of all time usually includes Final Fantasy VII in one way, shape or form in the top 10. The gameplay, the overhaul, the gameplay looks awesome. Like, I get what they were trying to do with that, and I get why they brought it in-house instead of outsourcing it to uh, CyberConnect2, which, you know, has their own shady history of game production, mostly with, like, Naruto games. Fine. They want to bring it in-house. Everything looks beautiful, graphical-wise. Like, the trailers, the combat, cool. But when mid, if you're saying that most of your game takes place in Midgard, this game, when it drops in March... This is all Midgard, which is only about 10% of the original game. Yes, that is definitely going to be a very, very bothersome point. Because, fine, you release Final Fantasy VII Remake as it is. Even though it's not Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's just Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1 of God knows how many. Are we going to wait the same amount of time that we did for this? Mm. That's... Well, whatever Square Enix is doing with Final Fantasy VII, if episode, if this episode comes out and you have this abrupt, like mega abrupt ending to this specific area, and it doesn't resolve the Midgar storyline, or it doesn't, it just feels so hollow and empty. That company is going to lose so much money going forward because the trust will be broken yeah. for one of the greatest games of all time. A game that has like a super duper hardcore fan base in America and Japan. If you're going to release 
a unfinished product, you are going to get a worse backlash than anything Fallout 76 did. One million times worse because it's not the fact that you ruined a formula because formulas can be rebuilt, which Fallout 76 has proven. They've proven they can rebuild the formula. But if you're going to destroy a beloved game because you want to piecemeal it for more money, and that's the slap in the face that could, if March comes around, people are going to lose their minds if that happens. And especially with the fact that you could see it be a case where instead of $5 an episode, which is what Telltale does, you're looking at $60 to $80 an episode. And And something doesn't, the smell test doesn't feel right. Right. Yeah. That's the problem with, with like, outside of what we're seeing in a bubble. That game, the 20 minutes, 30 minutes that they showed off of Final Fantasy VII, fine. Get hype all you want. But that's in a bubble. Look outside the bubble for once and think about what Square Enix could be doing to your nostalgia. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Square Enix fans and Final Fantasy VII diehards who are like waterlogged with nostalgia after seeing those trailers are thinking that. Some of them are, but not all of them are. Yeah. Yeah. And and Carl, were you going to... Oh, you just, yeah, you just basically, yeah, nobody, nobody, you're right. Nobody's going to want to spend that type of money. Mm-hmm. Like the average consumers, do they really have that? Yeah. And not to mention that there's like three different editions coming out of this game. You have the standard edition, which is 60, the deluxe edition, which is 80. And then you yeah. have first class edition, which is 300, which yeah. com- which is, which is a deluxe edition just with like a, a cloud figurine with a, with the bike. Yeah. It's a statue. So. I mean, oh. if you want, if you're a collector, fine, that's cool. But yeah. yeah, it could be weird if they try to do this every. We'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm worried. I am super duper worried. And I hope I hope the gamers out there are tweeting and talking and making this point because it's like, it's like we're not stupid. We know what you're doing. We know what you're trying to do, and we're like, yo, we're not gonna fall for that. We fell for that. Many times before, like with Fallout 76, yeah, we can't do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, what else was there? I mean, oh, I, I got I got it. It's time to go. I think I it's time. Still- All right. Marvel Avengers. Yeah. No, there's so much nope to me. And it's not of the fact that I am a person who's only about the movies. I am not that guy. Right. I, the movie, of course, we all have our love for the MCU. Ten years, crazy ending with Endgame. They wrapped it up beautifully, depending on what they do next. Yes, I get it. And I know that it's time for us to move on. And I, I'm fine with moving on from how we picture them in the movies. You can't. Ha- you got to go back to the comic books. You got to go back to the source material. But to have a game that's almost, they're trying to hybridize it in a way where it's, hey, maybe we're trying to be an MCU game and it never worked out, so we had to change it up a little bit. Because maybe, to me, the way I see it, I think this was supposed to be an MCU game. I Because if you look at the character designs, what they were trying to go with, I think this was supposed to be an MCU game. And something happened probably right before Endgame dropped, or no, before Infinity War dropped. That's when it changed. And then that's when he went off of, okay, we can't secure the rights of these characters because it's going to be a shit ton of money to do it. 
not unlike the budget games that came out back on the 360 where you can you didn't really know that the mcu was going to take off so you had uh robert downey jr be able to lend his voice to the iron man game or same with uh chris evans for the captain america game you could have gotten away with it in the early days of the 360 because the movies never had the clout that they did now right but to ha- now that you couldn't afford to pay the Marvel actors for the licenses, and we we made a meme about this on the Party Nerds. It just didn't. It just looked a little off. It felt like I was looking when I saw the one cinematic scene where you had all the Avengers lined up. Right. Some of those graphics, outside of what they showed off during the E3 trailer, it looked like I was. They were trying to prep a game for the launch of a PS4, not for a PS4 Pro. And I was not sold on that. The drama, the cutscene drama that they showed off with Banner and Stark, right. I could get behind that. I think that's going to be a very interesting tale because of supposedly Cap dies in the beginning. Spoiler alert if you didn't see the trailer. Yeah. But I think that the plot has legs because you have the West Coast Avengers base destroyed. They blame the Avengers. The Avengers disassemble. And then a new threat has to bring it back together. Fine. I like the plot. It's very different. Um, it's not an MCU focused plot, but the fact that you're, you were trying to hybridize MCU looking character models with trying to tell your own story, the mix just does not work for me. Something does not feel right. And they didn't really have real gameplay. Some of it was okay, but I'm not ready to say, hey, man, the Avengers game is going to be right down my alley. I was a big fan of the MCU. I'm a big fan of the Avengers comic book series. I think this tried to be an MCU game and it failed because they couldn't secure the MCU license. Right. And I don't don't know. I'm not I'm not there yet. Some of my I know AJ was trying to tell me, no, it looks good. And same thing with Pete. Um, he was trying to tell me it looks good, and I'm I'm not no I can't I can't fall in line with it yet. Yes. If if next year if some like somehow we get to like D23 the Disney Expo and they show off something different and it looks better, I'm willing to talk about it. But I'm not to tie it into a previous reference. I'm not gonna let this game burn me like Marvel versus Capcom Infinite did. Mm. If you remember the controversy about those graphics. Yeah. Oof. That that's mm, we'll see. Yeah. Point proof. Okay. I I do. I appreciate your point. I do uh-huh. see. I do see your point. Me. I didn't think of it that way. Like, okay. I'm a big. I'm a big comic book reader. So, I see different variations of those characters in many different books. Like you, you see. Captain America's Layfield, I mean, um, Layfield's version of Captain America, where his pecs are like yeah. mansionals and stuff, and the rest of his body is kind of small. You see, you know, great, you know, other other types of artists is artists is like you know own interpretations of it. So I just took it. I looked at this graphic wise as just a different interpretation of it. Um, it's not coming out till next year, so there's still plenty of time. Yeah. To work around, but what they how they was explaining it, how there's gonna be like new different characters coming out for free mm-hmm. in there every week. Yeah. And then there's just so much expansion of it. That's something where like like me and my boys, we can get together. A lot of us we get together every Thursday for um uh, sometimes we'll get together, we're still playing Mortal Kombat. Um 
where yeah, we'll get together. That will be like our online game of the week. You know what I mean? And, and we can I, like one day I'll probably be Iron Man or somebody else will be some other, somebody else, and we'll all be playing together. That's how that's how I looked at it. That's what got me initially hyped for it. Right. And when and, you know it's coming out next year, next March. Uh, actually, next May twenty. Oh, next May. Yeah, yeah so, coming out in May. Yeah, that gives that still gives a lot of time. I'm very optimistic. I'm the I'm a Marvel fan, so that gives it plenty of time to work out, you know, necessarily but necessary bugs, and you know, work out the graphics and so forth and so forth. I'm still like I'm still excited of what it's gonna be. Then I'm hearing rumors that it's gonna tie into the. Um, to the Spider-Man universe, I, I heard that. I did hear about that as well. But as far as I know, Marvel Avengers is supposed to be multi-platform, so it's right. going to be a little hard to tie in a PS4 exclusive. Exclusive, yeah. That's what, yeah. That's what. Like, I'm like, okay, that's very. That's I would have to dismiss that. Yeah. Because of that, and and I and everybody knows I love that Spider-Man game. Oh, yeah. yeah, amazing. Beat it twice, <laughs> and want to do it again. Yeah. Definitely, especially with all the DLC that dropped, the City of Never Sleeps DLC. Beat them all, stream them all, all that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know, I'm just very optimistic for something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and also, too, like, I, I understood that uh, perhaps uh, Crystal Dynamics couldn't secure the the likenesses of the, of the MCU actors. But even so, like, I wasn't in love with, with how they looked. Um, I thought they... Uh, like for example, like when I was looking at Captain America, I thought I was looking. I was like, did they cast Army Army Hammer as Captain America? Yeah, <laughs> like, just like age him up a little. Right. And then, and then like the other uh, character models look so generic. I think that was the thing. It was like I understand like you know not securing the like likenesses, but they could have they could have put more effort behind it because they looked like they looked more like NPCs cosplaying as as the Avengers. And not to mention, um, Hawkeye is still apparently the most disrespected Avenger because he's not even in the main lineup. So no, he's not. They, I think he's supposed to be one of the few DLC characters that they're going to release down the road. They're like, no, we didn't forget about Hawkeye, but apparently he wasn't important enough to the story mode. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we learned in 2012's Avengers that he was important to the story mode. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been seeing all the IGN tweets. Where's Hawkeye? Where's Hawkeye? Where's yeah. Hawkeye? And then we end up seeing Ant Man. Yeah, we saw Hank Pym in the announcement in the like one of the later uh, story mode things. I saw that, so that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's still okay, there's still time. I think we can agree to disagree on this one <laughs> for now. For now, your points and all that. We're gonna agree to disagree with it. I'm along with AJ though. Yeah, AJ, he's got to be on the next one too. You gotta let him know. I will let him know for sure. I'll get him to partner up with me. But um, let me see. I did not realize that there was that many Final Fantasy uh, titles as well. Yeah. And I saw that they're doing a Final Fantasy VIII remake, and I'm like, please don't do, please well, don't be on Musha. Well, not not a remake, but it's it's remastered. Remastered. Yeah. Yeah. Please it's don't just Musha. Yeah. Just just smoother textures, and that's about it. That's all you get. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. That's all they really needed. Like it was the game that people ignored the most. Um, or people felt that Square Enix ignored the most was eight because no other they never had a console that ever had had it. Right. So that's good for them. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was some decent. Well, damn, it really was just a lot of Final Fantasy. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Really sold a pretty big uh, fantasy. That Onanaki was a little nice looking. It was okay. I thought I could. I'm willing to, you know, bet on that as time passes. I'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, but I guess what really stole Square Enix to show was Avengers and Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, they bookmarked it hard. Spent the most time on. Mm-hmm. Then we can move on over to Nintendo Direct. Yep, Nintendo, the winners of E3, hands down. You think? One million. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Because I felt that. When we talked about Microsoft, Bethesda, Ubisoft, Square Enix, one to two games really stood out for us that were like, oh, yes, that's definitely going to be awesome. With a couple of smaller spliced in tiles, they were like, yeah, I can look into that, or I'm willing to give it a shot down the road. But when you have Nintendo come out with two characters for Smash, with gameplay of Luigi's Mansion, which, you know, I've dabbled a good amount in Luigi's Mansion 1, haven't played Dark Moon um, on the 3DS, but I heard good things about it. When you have like Link's Awakening, when you have um, the Secret of Mana series, Witcher on the Witcher Three on Switch with all the DLC, and they're gonna fit it on one cartridge, disgustingly insane. Like as they kept going through game after game, I'm like, okay, I can see who will like that, who will like this, 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 and that. So they just had more to show, and I think that's what was cool. Well, with the Witcher Three, I just looked at it. I was like, sometimes it's just. To me, it just looked it looked like a watered down version of The Witcher Three that Victor loved so much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a it's a phenomenal game, and to, yeah. to fit it on a on a on an itty bitty Switch cartridge, it's yeah. Then you have you have to take some elements out. You do, but like if you want the pure experience, I mean, you can just play it on the PS4. But again, you know, some people don't have those consoles or even a PC, so. Yeah. Right, they want to play it portably. They want to take it with them on the go. And I think that's, we've always talked about the Switch being the console where you're like, oh, I'm, man, I don't want to play that game right now. I got to sit on my couch. The Switch is like, give us any franchise and we'll we'll find a way to uh, have people play whatever they want. And that's what's going to make them the most amount of money. And I think The Witcher is going to be an interesting experiment, much like Mortal Kombat 11 was on the Switch. While, yes, the gameplay was buttery smooth, no frame drops, everything was just excellent. They really had to reduce the graphics. And you can tell as you were playing it, they're like, man, the textures are like bad outside of like FMVs, which they use for like the cutscenes for the story mode. Right. But if you actually went for gameplay, it plays like the console versions. Like you can put them side by side and they play exactly the same, which uh, it's going to be a little harder with a game like The Witcher because you have to load such a big world. But I'm willing to be interested in how they test that out. Yeah. I'm I'm willing to say. Game flies get you. Game fly. Yeah. Is yeah. that going on? I think so. Yeah. yeah, they're still doing that. Yeah. And then Contra. We're all old school gamers. We're all around the same age. Yep. They're bringing back Contra. Contra looks pretty cool. They got the Contra collection that just dropped. Like they shadow dropped it that during a the convention. They're like, hey. Play the old Contras right now to prep you. So you have all of them there, too. So that's pretty cool. I'm in. Still haven't quite found, like, those few games to make me want to buy a Switch. Yes, same here. Like, for me, there's only Breath of the Wild and Breath of the Wild. 
<laughs> and that that sequel that they that they uh, teased us with, it looks great. It oh looks- yeah, it's so like dark and mysterious. And I think that like a lot of people felt that way about Breath of the Wild that it had like this aura of like this oppressive aura to it that yeah. you had to overcome. And to go even further with it, I just feel like this is gonna be like kind of like a mature game, kind of like what Twilight Princess was. And to an extent, that was like a mature game. Because I think it was the only Zelda game that was T for Teen, if I remember correctly. Like some of the games were like Everyone or Everyone 10. Yeah. This was like a T, like, hey man, there's some dark stuff going on right now. And, and like, I think this game could go even further. Yeah, and that was something I was always curious to see in is a dark, especially like now that I'm older, a darker Zelda game. Because I feel like Zelda... With a Zelda with an edge would have would be successful. Would have the huge potential to be successful. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Because you can have so many different darker themes. You can have like an interesting story to go along with it, which is what Twilight did. Right. Right. And I mean, I'm. It's glad. I'm actually glad to see. Like you know, they're actually taking. I mean, it's not rated MA, but it's you know they're. They're taking that chance, you know, Nintendo's willing to take that chance with it. Right, and they don't have to go that far. I mean, just, no. a, just a little more thematics. Like, most thematic games that are cool, like, for example, the Uncharted series, um, right. and even some of the newer Halos, they got away, They were able to do some things with just a T rating. So you don't have to go full MA at all. With those games, you don't have to. Right. So that's going to be cool. Um, let me think. I think that so I think the hypest thing that happened during this whole pre- the Nintendo was the fact that like Nintendo was able to work with Microsoft and they gave us Banjo-Kazooie out of it for Smash. Yeah. That blew my mind. Like literally where I'm watching the trailer and I'm seeing reaction videos to it that like literally hours later of just people seeing like what are they what are they doing? And then you see the um the jiggy puzzle piece fly, which is a pan- banjo's like traditional like collectible, and people are just losing their minds because they're like, no, they didn't do it, they didn't do it, they didn't. Do it. And it was pandemonium for like that five minute stretch that they were showing off banjo kazooie. People were just losing their minds. It was great. I did, and I'm not a Smash Brothers fan. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, they actually brought in like banjo kazooie. I'm like, yo, that's gonna be dope. That's gonna be dope. Then they tease it. They're like, "Oh no, it's the dog from Duck And I'm like, <laughs> "I was like, no, they can't be doing this again. They can't be doing again. They can't be doing this." Yeah, and they back that dog. It brought me into a dark place. I'm like, I always wanted to shoot that damn dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was such a. It was so great. Like everything about this whole um, press conference was great. You had stuff like Luigi's Mansion, which would look good. Like I'm definitely in for that. Um, they showed off that Resident Evil 5 was coming to the Switch. They showed off a um, little bit of Pokemon here and there. Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which I'm not going to pick up, but it looks good. Am I think I, that could be a very interesting game. Question about Marvel Alliance. Am I the only one? Was they, Did they use the same voice, at, like the actors from the movies? No, they never did. They, were never, um, they never tied themselves to... Um, Cinematic properties with Ultimate yeah. Alliance. They never did. Like when I heard Magneto talk, and I'm like, whoa, that's, that's Ian McKellen. What, for Ultimate Alliance 3? Yeah. 
don't think so. Oh, it sounded a lot. It sounded a lot like him. Watch, listen to him again, because I can't be. I I can't have gone crazy in that one. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look that up probably afterwards. Check that out. Also, the one um game that actually looked pretty decent was Demon X Machina. I'm curious about it for sure. Um, just with like a mech-based kind of game. I'm I'm when I'm a wait and see approach on that. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm curious about a little bit more because I saw the gameplay from last year's E3. They showed it off a little more this year. I'll have to try that demo out because I think there's supposed to be another demo before it drops. That'll probably be what I'll have to do. Yeah, and it was funny too. I'm sitting there watching watching one of the one of the um, trailers, and I'm like, you know, why couldn't they do a, a Secret of Mana trailer? I mean, a sequel or like re or you know. Remake. Yeah. Or that boom right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they dropped it on you pretty bad, straight up, just like that. And then Animal Crossing, I think, is going to be awesome for those who are big into like the Animal Crossing series. They're a hardcore for that. Uh, those who have played infinite amounts of time on the 3DS version with New Leaf, I read something about a guy who has, still has a save file from Animal Crossing GameCube from like 17 years ago. He's still playing. So this, I think just the fact that, like, they showed off a lot more with that, right. that's going to bring a whole bunch of people onto the Switch. And Nintendo loves the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely they do. Yeah. But, yeah, Nintendo killed it, man. They killed it. I would say. So, yeah. Um, now I'm curious because I didn't get that. I didn't get that far into y'all's episode. Uh, mm-hmm. yes, yesterday's episode. So what would be a top five uh, game, uh, games from E3? So if we're going off of games that were played, I'm going off of games that were at least playable on the show floor from what I've read. Okay. So, so just kind of looking through some of the other games that they had at E3. One of them is going to be surprising because I know it's technically not an E3 reveal, but you'll follow my drift. So mm-hmm. I would say the top five games of this year's E3 are Watch Dogs Legion, for sure, just because of the uniqueness of the gameplay style and what they're doing with the NPC recruiting. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 3, I think, is going to be an underrated game that not a lot of people are going to be talking about, but everybody's going to play the hell out of it. Okay. Doom Eternal, just because of the frenetic gameplay style, uh, the multiplayer that they showed off. And, fun fact, um, they showed off this battle mode where it's like two versus one, but apparently people feel that slightly, if you watch Bethesda's press conference for smaller details... Maybe this is um, the way that you can put in like the weirdest Easter egg possible that Doom Guy is actually going to be one of the characters in the Mortal Kombat 11 season pass. Don't you tell me that. Well, I have a version anyway, so like it's automatically going to come in. It's coming, yeah, exactly. And I'm hyped for Shang Tsung when he drops. But I'll have to, sh- I'll have to send you that video later on. Uh, number four, or next, so fourth game would be Final Fantasy VII. I think it's just going to be, it looks good as a, Casual, outside-looking-in-person for RPGs, I can be admit impressiveness when I see it. Right. The fifth game. Originally, I was going to say Cyberpunk, but it's not playable. Like, you can't play it. Nope, they do their own guided walkthrough, so I'm not going to count that. But I will say Borderlands 3. That's my fifth game because they had that playable. They had one of the classes, the third of four, that they demoed at E3. Right. Everybody needs to buy Borderlands 3 because that not just the fact that the first two games were excellent, the pre-sequel was okay, 
you had Tales from the Borderlands. If you like episodic games, Telltale, that was good as well. But I think if you're looking for that traditional style Borderlands game that many other games, like usually dungeon crawlers or anything else, replicate it for like loot drops, the original is back. And they dropped free DLC temporarily, free at least, for Borderlands 2. So if you've not played Borderlands 2 yet, here's a reason to go back to it. Here's free DLC. It's free on Xbox game. Uh, if you have gold, you get it for free. Um, you also can do the PlayStation streaming service and access it. So there's so many ways to get into the new Borderlands that that is my fifth game of E3 because more of the gameplay was shown off and it looks exactly what I remember back in 08 when I played Borderlands 2 for like 160 hours. I was was before you were married, right? (laughs) Way before. (laughs) Way before. Hmm. I have to choose the top five. It would be it would be Avengers. Sorry. (laughs) Geeking me. Um, Cyberpunk, Mm -hmm. Doom, Final Fantasy VII, and Watch Dogs. Okay. All right. Fair. Fair. You got one? Uh, yeah, top five. Um, top five includes some games that we haven't covered. Um, one I'm looking forward to is Psychonauts 2. Um, nice. That's actually a good choice, for sure. Because I really enjoyed uh, the, the first one. I still have it for the PS2. Um, another one is... Well... Hmm. Another one I'll say uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood, because uh, I'm such a big fan of that series. Uh, of course, um, Deathloop. That one I'm really looking forward to, just off the strength of that trailer and the nice. concept. Um, what else? Uh, Cyberpunk 2077, of course. Um, just from everything that we've seen, like this is a can't miss game. Right. Um, and uh, as far as the uh, fifth, my my number five. Uh, number five. Um, even even though I don't I don't have an Xbox, I'm a PS4 guy. Um, I am pretty curious to see what they do with Fantasy Star Online Two. Ooh, um, that's a that's a big one for sure. Yeah, because that was such that was like one of the biggest uh, hits on the Dreamcast way back in two thousand. So to see what they do with a uh, Fantasy Star Online two, which coming out next, which comes out next spring, that's going to be pretty pretty phenomenal. Yeah, especially with it being a game that not a lot of people, like nobody on the here in the U.S. can access. It was a, primarily a Japan based PC game, and now. Microsoft was able to be the first ones to kind of take it on and say, hey, man, it's coming to console on Xbox. That's a big pickup for them. Um, I think two more games, if I had just going back to the Microsoft. Right. I, I'm curious about Gears, Gears 5. Um, I still have, I haven't played the Gears 4 storyline to kind of know where it's going to go into. But I think some of the like it graphically looks good. And there was one nostalgia um, based focus that got me and it makes me want to play my PC a little bit more. Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition. I played that game forever when I was in college. My freshman year, I had a PC, barely. It was a computer for 2004 standards. But the two games that I remember playing hours and hours and hours in during my free time were Counter-Strike and Age of Empires 2. So to remember what it was like to play those two games and now for the chance to pick it up again and... They're throwing in like all this new content, new factions, new campaign. Like it's literally like a hundred hours of content, and it's only twenty bucks. Damn. Done. I will. I will find. I will put that in my budget 
this week if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, I'm in. Right. And also one more game um, mm-hmm. that, that caught my eye from the Xbox conference was uh, by Annapurna Inter- Interactive called 12 Minutes. Yes. Oh, my God. That does look awesome. Like, it's, just, it's very innovative. Mm-hmm. That much I will say. Like, that game could be really interesting because it's that time loop kind of aspect to it. Yeah. Um, I think that could be really good. And I got that yeah. cinematic feel, which made me think of you right away, too, as well. Yeah, because it has that home invasion, uh, a, ho- a horror horror type uh, type. Yeah. Thing. And so it's like, I was wondering, like, like how can you escape in, in within that 12-minute time span? Like, yeah. what endings are there? What different possibilities are there? That, so that's, that. hopefully that one's multi-platform, because I'll definitely check that one out for sure. I think it could be. We'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah, but damn, that's all I got. Anything for you? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it um, for for E three overall. Um, like I said, um, nothing nothing that really blew my socks off like past E threes, but I thought it was a thought it was a fine fine show. Uh, Say, I think it started to pick up right around Beth- at Bethesda going on, Square Enix of course, and then Nintendo, because yeah. I think this year more than ever it feels like this was E an E three for more for twenty twenty than it was for twenty nineteen. Yeah. If you were already going to buy a game in 2019, you were going to buy it anyway. But I think this was more looking forward to next year, especially as we start to cater towards the next generation of consoles. And also the fact that I think this E3 kind of went the letter grade, if we gave it one, would go down a full letter grade just because Sony wasn't there. Right. So that's pretty big, I think, just having Sony absent. Mm -hmm. Obviously, yes, I understand because they had nothing to show. Like, literally, the only two games they have are The Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima. And Death Stranding, they've already done. So they have nothing. So I understand why they're not there. But I think that brings it down just a bit. Yeah. My sentiment is exactly. <laughs> yeah, so so once again, uh, thank you so much, Eddie, for uh, joining us uh, to, to talk shop about E3. Yeah, man. Always good to do these every year. It's always fun. Yeah, trying to get AJ in these now. <laughs> I'm gonna yell at him about it uh, this weekend, so I'll make sure he knows. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah. Cool. Anything you want to plug? In? Anything you want to plug in? Yeah. So of course, so of course, I'm one of the uh, I'm the lead co-host for Party Nerds Gamer Central. So whenever the gamers take over the Party Nerds, uh, we're the guys who are doing it. Myself, AJ, and our crew. Uh, we actually just created our own social medias. So you can follow all the gamer aspects on Instagram specifically. You can find us under Gamer Central Nerds with a Z. And of course, you can always find us at The Party Nerds on Instagram, uh, where you can find all of our posts, all of our memes, anything we got coming up soon for events. Um, you will find everything there on The Party Nerds, as well as Gamer Central Nerds, seeing all of our projects that we have down the pipeline. And of course, every single member of The Party Nerds, um, including myself and AJ representing Gamer Central, will be at New York Comic Con in October. Still working on it. I missed the I I missed the pre I missed the pre-sale today. Well, the get oh, today was actually the general sale. So. Today was general sale. Yeah, so there might be some stuff up if you can take advantage of it. Try. I'm definitely going to try. I'm definitely trying to go again cuz it was just me and you like that day last yeah, year. Yeah. Exactly. And it was a blast like for one day. It took me like two weeks to recover. Just <laughs> find a way to. You both got to come down. We got to do something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll plan that out. Yeah. Right. But yeah, 
that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. E3 2019 is right there. Done. Yeah. Good times. Oh yeah, it's in the books. So uh, you know, uh, for, for thank you all for watching. Well, it's not live, but you know, when you, when you, when, <laughs> thank you for listening. If you have a chance to listen uh, and watch this, uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, YouTube, Facebook Live. Um, yeah, drop us an email, podcast at gmail.com. What else, Carl? And uh, yeah, leave us a five star review on site on um, iTunes and. Yeah, you can find us everywhere, yeah. especially on the social medias, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much all nice. we got. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, uh, so yeah, thank you all for, uh, thank you so much once again uh, for joining us. And as always, uh, we'll catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later. See y'all.